0: Hello, welcome to Back to Base. I'm Andrew McLean, and this is the SAS Who Does Wins official reaction podcast. I'm driving to the studio to talk to some very special guests about the show that is grueling to watch and even more grueling to complete. We'll be reckoning with how the SAS experience can impact our everyday lives and reacting to the most extreme moments of the final episode of the series. This week. I'm very excited to welcome a comedian who, much like the most impressive SAS recruits during interrogation, isn't afraid of a bit of improvisation. Rachel Paris will be here. The wonderful Dr. Sandeep Chohan, having now escaped the Scottish Highlands, will be joining us in the studio to give us a complete check-up on the series. And, oh, hold on. Not only that, we have got a bonus chat with Foxy, telling us all about his highlights from this most recent selection. Plus, recruit number one, James, has run all the way down from the mountains to chat with us as well. So for the last time this series, let's get back to base. Your
1: opponent is the enemy.
2: We're going to be stripping people back physically and mentally. We're going! You have to be prepared to find out who you truly are. Are you willing to go to some deep and dark places? Move it. There's no characteristic or flaw that won't be exposed.
0: So I am joined by Rachel Paris. Now, Rachel, you're best known for being on radio and stage and all this sort of stuff. Comedy is. Pretty far removed from SAS
3: Who Death Wins, <laughs> would you say? I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, people quite like to say to comedians, like, oh, you're so brave in <laughs> what <are> you do. <laughs> and then you, you watch this and you're like, oh my God, I'm such a massive coward. Like, yeah, just anything, but the way you have a job where you perform feels. Far, far easier. How do you think you would do if you were in it? Oh, I think I would really struggle. Like I I, I like to think that I'm not very physically great. Um, I think one problem is I have absolutely no competitive spirit at all. Okay. Especially not in terms of like, you know, sport or like, that's one thing that I fell down in like um, school and stuff like that. But I hope maybe the mental stuff... I like to think I don't think you can know you know until yeah. you, you've literally done it. Um, I like to think the mental stuff maybe I'd have a little bit of staying power.
0: Yeah, but uh, that might just be wishful thinking. I don't know. I think everybody who sort of considers going into the show, whether they've put themselves forward for it or whether they've you know been requested or or what have you has to sort of take a step back and think, right, what would my strengths be? So for you, you think, OK, I'm not necessarily the strongest person there, but, you know, mentally I might be able to, you know, keep going. What do you reckon you would be like once it gets to the sort of interrogation bit? That's if you oh. get through the just generally being shouted at. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Because I, I thought that in this episode, like we saw with Nicola,
3: that big mistake that she made <laughs> it sounded so judgmental. Sorry, Nicola. <laughs> but that that's something that y- she wouldn't have done, you know, until you've been through just days and days of, yeah. of that. And of exhaustion. Of exhaustion. And actually, yeah, I, I don't deal well. <laughs> I really don't deal well with being <laughs> tired, uh, being knackered and being overworked. And You'd I, be
0: great telly I'd then. would be terrible? You're going to be signed up. I'd be, I'd be so bad at it. <laughs>
3: Honestly, if I've, like, if I've, like, worked really hard for, like what, four days? I'm yeah. like, this is too much. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> They ask too much of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's get into the the, the last episode. Which I can't believe oh. it is, is the last episode. Oh my God. It starts off um, where we're, we're straight back into the interrogation and number eight, Miles asked to see the umpire. And I felt quite emotional actually when he when he handed his number in mm. because what he said was he felt that he had reached the end of his capabilities mentally and physically and he took the decision the umpire agreed quite sensibly to draw a line and he was quite happy with where he got to. What did you think of that? I thought there were two interesting things about that. One that um
3: that he I think he said I've chosen to do this before I damage my brain, which I thought was a really incredible foresight when you know you're already like you say you're you're already so worn down and that he had the foresight to think no don't go that next step because you'll be too broken um and also that I think he he quit in the middle of not in the actual interrogation room didn't he But, but but in the stress positions and the sounds and everything and I thought that was really enlightening to me like seeing just how Even that sort of like the constant noise, the lack of sleep, all of that can be the thing that breaks you. Instead of someone shouting in your face, actually it's
0: the other stuff that breaks you. I thought he showed real emotional intelligence, Mm. which I can't imagine you'd be able to hang on to whilst you're going through all of that. Because, you know, the the voiceover says, and they've now been in these positions for three hours, for four hours, for ten hours. You know ten minutes if you're in an uncomfortable position (laughs) with headphones on. Well, I mean, I've never had headphones of babies screaming and pigs squealing and fingers down a blackboard, but four hours is an incredibly long time. If I
3: do one of those positions for 10 minutes, I expect a gold star sticker from my personal trainer.
0: I don't know how they do. Maybe you shouldn't do this because <laughs> you're going to be really disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and Foxy says on on it as well. He says interrogation can expose all your demons. You're faced with two choices: you can fight the demon or let the demon win. How? I mean, we've I've asked how how you know how you think you would do obviously physically and this sort of thing. How do you think you would cope with being forced to just sit still, trying to block out all of this noise, every bad thought that you've ever had in your life being replayed over and over in your head. How would you cope with that? Uh, I I can't even I can't even imagine. I, I, I was
3: I was just thinking about the different techniques that they used, you know, some of them like really aggressive shouting and name calling and sort of bullying. Yeah. And some of it more kind of logical and some of it kind. And I don't know, I was I was thinking like I've I've never in my life, I've never been in a fight, you know, a physical fight and I've I've never been beaten up or even really very shouted at apart from as a child and like oh my god I sounded like I had an abusive childhood sorry but like all parents shout all children shout at the children and like I can't imagine what my reaction to that would be you know like just those people just shouting abuse Mm. in your face um I think I I imagine I'd
0: probably break down <laughs> and tell them whatever they wanted to do. You know. would be the first. Yeah. You would be the first. I did. It took me roughly nine seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I'd, I think I'd be similar. <laughs> but it's interesting you bring up the shouting because uh, they the call in, the, the DSs decide to, to call in uh, number 25 who's Chris. And what I found fascinating about this is obviously the the umpire and all the interrogators, they're there to push people's buttons. So they, they work through what they think will work best per person mm. because the same thing won't work for everyone. And there's a bit where they decide, right, we're going to push his buttons and see how shouting at him, whether it will make him blow up. I think he coped really, really well. Yeah. He
3: seemed so calm and in control and almost sort of he had this sort of humility about him I don't know he didn't seem like he was going to blow
0: up at all well I think to me you could see his jaw set a little bit yeah and he was holding it in like you would when someone's literally screaming in your face yes I thought he did incredibly well I felt ridiculously proud of him yeah because the especially because his his weakness is his temper and that's the button that they're pushing. I think he did incredibly well. They incredibly well. They
3: were running they were running out of things to shout at him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're at that. Yeah. And don't move. Well. Don't move a centimeter which you just
0: <laughs> don't don't have that vein in your face. It's yeah. like he's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um Obviously, you know some people dropped out. Some people actually just physically couldn't couldn't take mm. anymore. Um, I think it was was it Eloise, yes, who she actually oh, I felt so sorry for. her. Mm. She'd done so so well, and then she collapsed, which which we found out later from Sundeep was actually with hypothermia. I really felt for her because she'd done so well to last so long. It sort of feels so unfair. For her with that, because it's not even
3: a choice, you know, it's not even quitting. It's literally just your body can't take anymore. So it's not like you get that moment of, oh, I choose to go now. Yeah. You just, your body chose
0: for you. Yeah. I'd be quite, well, I was going to say I would be quite happy with that. I was happy with that because that's exactly what (laughs) (laughs) happened to me. (laughs) Yay for hypothermia. I'm finally warm. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Nicola. Nicola is the one, number six, who accidentally left the note, which almost <laughs> cartoon like had cover story written on the back of it. Oh my god. What did you make to how she decided to just keep trying to bluff it out, style it out? Um
3: oh I really felt for her. It's really like it's such it's such a big mistake. And like you say, the, the fact that the words cover story are written on it is It was
0: almost like Almost comical.
3: Yeah. It's <laughs> It's such a big thing, and um, as we said, like something you would you would never do if your brain wasn't like yeah. adult. But um, but you're good at improv. Could, well, if you're put on the spot like that, could you think of an excuse? Here's the thing with improv, you do your best improv, and you can only really do good improv when you've got. Um, a completely free mind you know that you can do anything okay um and so you're not thinking of what you're saying then going no don't say that okay um and that's when the best improv happens and if you're censoring yourself it doesn't work so okay. I don't think that would transfer very well it's not a skill. really because I think I'd find it so so hard in the moment like I was thinking of what I would say and I'd be like I don't know because you're meant to stick to the story She's got completely found out. But the whole exercise is don't let your cover story go. Oh. But knowing that they no- I don't know, I don't blame her. I think I would have done the you same thing.
0: suddenly lapse into mime or yeah. something. <laughs> it would, I'm not to be thinking. fair, it would confuse them, it would wouldn't confuse it? It? <laughs> it would throw the enemy. <laughs> Through the medium of mime, I'm going to express my um,
3: fear. She's and started concern. doing interpretative dance. We're not sure which direction to go in. <laughs>
0: No one's done that yet. Well, We could throw that in. Something. <laughs> um, this is one of the first times I've ever seen uh, on any of the episodes where they were literally put into cages. <gasps> and it was put- so outside. dark. What did you make of that? It was so dark. It was like something out of a horror film. Oh, and just
3: they were like caged animals, weren't they? Really like low in a da- low cage as well. Did
0: it make it worse for you that they were women? Do you think you'd have felt the same way if it was men in cages? I to be to be honest, I
3: I felt like all of it made it harder that they were <laughs> that they were women. Maybe not the the mental interrogation. I think women are, are mentally in, incredibly strong. Yeah. And that so much. I don't. I didn't think of the gender vibe, but all of the physical challenges, I felt, I felt like yeah, so much kind of double respect for the women going yeah. through that. Yeah, I think I did. I did feel like more compassion.
0: Do you know? I have to say, this is really. Not very ladylike, speaking of. <laughs> um, one of my favourite bits in the show so far... I
3: know what you're going to say. ...was when they went to the toilet. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: because, again, having experienced S.A.S. Who does Wins, the toilets actually play a really big part in it because they are, they're long drops. They're not normal toilets. And you are outside and you have to go in pairs, so you're with somebody, you know, the whole time. And the show had been fairly discreet and you'd not really seen anything of the toilets just yet. I literally was howling with laughter <laughs> at the noises coming out of that. We never found out exactly who it was. It may have been number nine. I'm not, I'm not sure. I wasn't
3: sure. It was hilarious. That I love that it was such funny. such a they were stress relief. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was a very funny fart. It really was. You know, some farts are funnier than others. <laughs> to be fair, all farts are not created equal. <laughs> that is a fact. It was so long. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> well, I wondered, actually, because you've done it. Not that fart, but the (laughs) toilet situation. You know, sometimes you know, if there's a a a toilet cubicle and there's people in the loo, like you try and do a sort of a quiet go, discreet poo. I suppose you can't be that discreet if you're. There's no walls.
0: Everyone can hear everything. Everything they can and they can see you as well. It's uh, it's like nothing anyone will ever have experienced. I'd hold it in i'd hold it in for weeks <laughs> i think some of them did yeah. i think some of them did and then okay so bless them they all went back to sleep and james ended up i think he just slept in his clothes mm. didn't he just laying on top of the bed what did you when they all lined up in front of the ds's and they were told right you know it's brilliant that you've got this far well done now we're going to take you out and basically it's a sickener practically to the death yeah i Again, I really felt for them. I thought, I don't know where they're getting their strength from. Yeah. Running running up a hill of, of shingles. What was it, an 80 degree angle or yes, something yes. Something ridiculous? 4K run up vertical rocks. And it was, I was talking about it with my husband afterwards. Who would have the advantage at that point? And he said, actually, it's someone who's a bit heavier, because hopefully they could, you know, if you're lighter, you'd be skittering around a little bit. How do you reckon you'd have got on? I'm. Um, I do. <laughs> That's the. Are you good at scrambling?
3: I actually am. That was the only. That was the only bit that I thought. Oh, I would at least I wouldn't fail completely. Okay. <laughs> like I, at least I'd have a a slight chance of doing of making some bit of it because I love I love a hike. I love a scramble. I love okay. I climb. Um. So I like I like those kinds of things, and I sort of you know I recognized at least that was like. Uh, a terrain that I was like okay, okay. I, I get what that is but to have to like do it three, three times, times after everything they've mm. been through was insane uh, yeah to see like Kim who seemed to have this such phenomenal strength yeah how broken she was by what to me looked like the easy bit <laughs> the scramble yeah. up and down a hill and that then she only had to go downhill and she was just at the top just crying and I thought oh my god
0: <laughs> yeah this is it's so the first odd. bit this yeah is the first bit I mean I, I have to say I thought the final four were incredible mm. um, and I think it was the the best I was. It sounds really silly to say it, so the, that I was really happy with the lineup. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, they'd been chosen. <laughs> it's it, a great lineup. Yeah, it's a great lineup. <laughs> but I, I thought it was really powerful that it was two men and two women. Yeah, fantastic. That they were all so incredibly different. Their mm. skill sets were were different in terms of strength and physicality and mental strength and everything else. I felt so sorry for Kim that she mm. was struggling with. Uh, what she had to carry, Chris. <laughs> I mean, look at her. She's that like, was insane.
3: That was the. I really felt really. Like emotional, that yeah. moment of the sight of this obviously strong but small woman yeah. carrying an enormous man on her shoulders—it was just
0: you're asking the impossible, but she did it. For me, it was the moment where she she collapses on the ground, and I think it was cramps in her calves. Mm. I think that she had, and how she then—they should have played the chariots of fire music. <laughs> it's literally. Pulling herself up with a rah, and then ended up beating Carla. And I mean, I've loved Carla all the way through. Yeah. I think she's phenomenal. But I thought I thought Kim was a worthy third when yeah. she went striding, striding past. It was quite an emotional bit of TV for me. Yeah, I felt so happy
3: for Kim and so upset for Carla, who's just been like, yeah. you know, just like just going Steady. steadily on, yeah. getting on with it. And I think I could be wrong, but I thought I heard like a sort of Ah, from her when Kim (laughs) overtook, which, which he would, (laughs) which he would.
0: (laughs) Now she said as well, you know, once an Olympian, always an Olympian. Mm -hmm. And she talked about the fact that, you know, no one can take that from her. She went to the Olympics, they came fifth. She didn't necessarily come back with a, a medal, but she's still incredibly proud of how she did. And I really hope that that's how she's taken the SAS experience. Yeah, is is that something that you can relate to? Is it not necessarily about you know coming first, second, third? Some Sometimes it is actually about what you've achieved through that experience.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like I say, <laughs> I haven't got a hugely competitive spirit. Yeah. Most of the time. But nonetheless... Is th- there, there nothing are- you're competitive <laughs> about? Yeah, I suppose I, I am a little about, well, about the job I do. Sure. I you know, you, you want to have... an excellent show, live show. You want to...
0: But that's competitive with yourself. With yourself,
3: exactly, Mm. yeah. So I I do sort of have that. But um, there are um, actually loads of awards in comedy um, in the live circuit and everything that you, as soon as you start, within weeks of starting comedy, you can enter these awards and it's very encouraged that you do that. But you learn very quickly. It's, It's rarely the people who win who go on to make it you know oh, okay. um you sort of look at people like all of the most famous comedians you know have quite often come fourth or fifth in those awards and um it's a really good early lesson of like it just matters that you that you have the material and the stamina and the creativity and I think that's true of anything you know mm. it's more I think the important thing is you should enter anyway because yeah. it just take that bold step to do that and I think the same is true of this i think to to get that far mm. and to have
0: pushed yourself that far
3: is absolutely
0: i think so it, it's brave. all about pushing yourself to your own limits exactly everybody has different limits yeah. and if you've pushed yourself to yours be happy with that exactly um, the drown proofing which <gasps> is an interesting term in in itself um what an incredible way for it all to finish. That's such an
3: extraordinary task, isn't it? Because it's literally saying, "Go against your survival instinct." Like if you're going to put yourself underwater, yeah, you're like, "Yeah, I can do that." I'll take a big breath in, and yeah. to not have any air to go down with is, you know, it's like it goes against <laughs> against every everything. instinct in your body. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought that was so that was so hard to watch. Just imagining yourself in that water.
0: I, th- I think what was what I found really fascinating was actually that was a real lesson in in SAS training Mm. which was go against everything that feels natural and what your body is telling you to do listen to instructions just do what they say don't question it just do what they say and that's why I was so so happy that obviously both James and Chris Mm. were announced winners I Mm. thought they they were worthy winners I thought. Kim absolutely rocked it right to the very last yeah. second, and she deserved to to get to where she went to. And if she'd been a little bit taller and stronger, <laughs> she might she might have might have passed. Yeah. But uh, I I got quite emotional actually when they announced the winners. It was so deser- It was so much the right decision.
3: Yeah. I think if they'd have said either one of them, it would have been like, oh, but he did so well in that. Absolutely. He did so well in that one. Yeah, I'm so glad they did that.
0: As a bit of a treat before we talk to Sandeep and the incredible James, I sat down with Foxy to ask him about what he made of the Who Dares Wins class of 2020. You all right, Foxy?
4: All right. Andrea?
0: How's it gone? How's this series been?
4: Uh, it's done all right, yeah. hasn't it, I think. I think it's been received well. I'm always on, uh, I'm always on Twitter during the show because I like to interact and mm. you know, put stuff out there. I don't know why, I just do it. Is
0: that actually you? Because I follow you and sometimes I think, you know, no, no, some people when they're, when they're proper superstars and stuff, they're people.
4: Yeah, but that's that's obviously not me. <laughs> but no, I'll, yeah, no, I'll get on it, yeah. Uh-huh. I'll sort of bang out a few yeah, tweets and, get and involved. see what it, yeah, yeah. You know, some of them are fun and some of them will be, will be serious because mm. that's what the show is all about really, isn't
0: it? Obviously you've done all of them. What's the difference, you think, with this Series for me personally, it's been the weather has been more intense than any of the other series.
4: I think it is definitely the weather. I mean, your one was brutal, but that was more to do with where we were with regard to like the altitude. You know, there was altitude, we weren't mega high, but it was still you still knew it, didn't you? I mean, Mm. you can vouch for that, yeah. But this one's Scotland, which means I don't know, it's very unpredictable, it's just. Scotland, like people, don't get how beautiful it is, but also how brutal it is. I said it before, not long ago. It's the weather is relentless, and like you know, we're we're used to it, we're conditioned to that sort of stuff and that life because of our past, you know, careers. But even even us, on like day six or seven, we'd wake up and be like, ah, "Is it still raining?" You, so looked, it is, you all looked. Miserable. I don't look miserable. No,
0: but just you know that thing of the rain was still coming mm. down, and you know, Ant sounded like he was losing his voice at, at, at one point. I thought, oh
4: crikey, he's not any br- surprising. He's <laughs> <laughs> constantly gobbing off. <laughs> only joking, mate.
0: Where did you train? Did you train in Scotland?
4: Yeah, a lot of the British forces do go up there, especially in the Marines. You go up there and do your mountain training because it is it is nails,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of Marines out there that will know all about the Anakiga Ridge and, which is in Glencoe and yeah there's a place called Kinloch-Leven um, where they where you stay sometimes it's mm. sort of alternated but it is it's, where you, it's brutal. Yeah, it's where you become a proper soldier up there. It's where
0: you become a... You, you you arrive a boy and you leave a man. I
4: reckon you do, yeah. yeah. And
0: that's just the women. Yeah. Um,
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Water played a huge part in this episode. The recruits were barely out of the sea.
4: Yeah, good. It's like a sort of... If I'm, if I'm honest, being in the Marines and also the Special Boat Service, you spend a lot of time in the water. You get put in the water a lot. It's miserable. Mm. But um, yeah, we just wanted to do that to them. Just to turn it up a little bit. It's funny because I think these they turned up and they looked miserable as sin, and I think they were playing the numbers game. They they genuinely thought that Chile was obviously a cold environment, so mm. the next one's going to be somewhere hot, and it doesn't work like that. We just it's just random. So obviously they turned up at the airport and got given a boarding pass to bloody Inverness, and obviously were like, what the? So they were, yeah they were already onto a losing right, and they're already onto a loser really.
0: Do you think that how the recruits arrive play, plays a big part in how well they do throughout the show? Because obviously you see some people crumble right at the beginning. I mean, two were cold before they even made it onto the series. Yeah. Do you think that that plays a part at all?
4: With the regard to how they turn up in their head? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I don't, as some, as some of the people that turn up, I don't know why they turn up. Why? Like, because, in what way? They, because it's going to be hard, isn't it? They know it's going to be hard.
0: Do you think they don't even watch the show?
4: I think they watch it, but the, what people, what pe- people, it, it happens now when I'm watching stuff or I'm reading like a bit of social media and people are like, oh, that's, I can't believe they dropped out there. And why did she get kicked out? Because she was really strong, but she, she, they don't get kicked out for no reason. And you, you've got to remember that it takes it's 48 hours worth of footage that makes 46, just over 46 minutes of a, an episode. And everyone, like, you can vouch for this. You just get beasted constantly. Yeah. And when you do sleep, you don't sleep because you're too petrified of what we're going to be doing next. So mm. it is hard and they people need to realise that if there's anyone listening that's thinking about it it is hard
0: is there any training that people can do because obviously you get a lot of really fit people on there who think yeah i'm a you know i'm am I'm a fitness trainer you get a lot of th- those sort of people <laughs> it's not just about the fitness is it and no. that noise you heard was boxy was... laying down his cup of mint tea
4: <laughs> <laughs> which you didn't want us to mention a cup of mint tea with a with two shots of whiskey in it of course no yeah. many joking <laughs> uh...
0: Were, was there anybody who stood out for you Right from the very start. I mean, either good or bad.
4: On this one, mm-hmm. I thought they were all a bit vanilla to begin with on this one. And I think a lot of that was to do with the fact that they genuinely didn't think they were coming to Scotland. I put out a cheeky little post while we were doing the prep of me. It was actually me on holiday in Mexico. And I was. it was just like, yeah, looking forward to getting the, you know... And I think you know I don't think that threw them, but it was I quite like playing mind games like that. (laughs) But I
0: mean, you've Um, done that before. Obviously, you were in the jungle before, and that was that was angry. That was not a hospitable environment.
4: To be honest, there's we can make most environments pretty nasty.
0: I mean, I'm sitting here.
4: Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is all right.
0: <laughs> so, who who did stand out for you? That that very first moment, you know, when the 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 guys jump off the boat and they're standing there looking um, like wretched little drowned dogs, the, and then have to run up the hill.
4: The only people that stand out are the people that don't impress you,
0: right? So, it, people stand up for the wrong reasons. Yeah, first you're not of all.
4: really because all you're doing is you're asking someone to do what you've just done. That that jumping off the boat, I demoed it you don't really need to demo it, but I did swam in and then you're just watching for people that don't do very well. Yeah. Yeah, so there was obviously one of the guys, Amos, I didn't even get to know him because he, he was there for a couple of hours, but he jumped off, swam, was swimming in and then sort of just lost his way. And instead of swimming towards the beach, he was swimming parallel to the beach and just wasted all his energy. He could have probably made it if he'd actually looked up to see where he was going. Mm -hmm. But that drained him. There was another guy that was just rinsed and couldn't run up the hill. I think he was actually even running up the hill, going, "I'm, I'm just not worthy, not even worthy for a number." <laughs> <laughs> so it was reported to me because I I'd, once I'd got off out of the water, I needed, yeah. I ran up the hill and got changed quickly. I know because
0: we had um, Mark, aka Sybil, here, who apparently was was one of the first up the hill, and he remarked at how impressive you were standing on top of that hill waiting for everyone. I
4: do try, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. He's, he's, a, he, I liked him. He was a good character. I mean, yeah, he's he's something else in Dragon. He? He's
0: lovely. <laughs> lovely, lovely guy.
4: Yeah, decent bloke. Um, strong as well. It was unfortunate. He put a shift in on that um, duncan running up that hill with the log. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a few people there that didn't, didn't, if I'm honest, and they are probably the reason why he dropped out because he, he put in more than he needed to because there was a few people slacking and then rinsed himself. Yeah. So it was a shame, that. Yeah. It was the same with uh, Jerome, actually, if I'm honest. He put a big shift in going up. He's a big beast as well. And for him to be rinsed, there's something, something going on.
0: When does it start to change for you? Because you said at the beginning you notice people who aren't doing so well or maybe don't have the right attitude. When is that turning point where you start to think, actually, they are really, really pulling their weight?
4: I'm not sure. It it definitely is. There's a point where you sort of start. I warm, you know, I'm a human being. I warm to people. But if I'm honest, the biggest shock is on this. This was on this series. So the biggest shock was on this series. And it was definitely old James Priestley, Jimmy the J-bomb, as he was known on Instagram. Uh, He just seemed to didn't seem impressive in the beginning. And then he was just there. And he was just solid. He was like you could rely on him because he was just there. He was—I mean, he's not—you know—he doesn't shine, shine, but he's a solid individual. You know, we we said at the end, we're like, bloody hell, where's he just come from? Literally, like, he's here, and we were like, you know, in the in the military, in the army, or whatever you want to call it. He would be that bloke that carry. We call it. There's a there's a weapon called the GP. It's a it's a machine gun. It's heavy. People don't like carrying it. He'd be the bloke that's carrying it and just be there at the end. So he was like he was that reliable.
0: But isn't that exactly what you're looking for?
4: Well, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, much. it's not about James Bond and GI G. Joe and well, all
4: that. It, some it can be a little bit. But you know <laughs> you what still I mean. Want your, you still want your high flyers, but yeah, yeah. No, no. You, you know, the majority of the special forces are made up by people that just do the basics very, very well. Yeah. They don't, there's no like, they don't fall off either side. They're not really great at stuff, but then really rubbish. They're just good all the way.
0: You, you mentioned Jamie. He took a long time to open up, but when he did, um, like many people who go on the show, he was he was there to overcome his own personal troubled
4: past. So, Yeah, definitely. He did take a little bit of time. He was a difficult one to get to open up, to be fair. And I still don't think he's done it fully, which is fine. That's, you know, that's his, that's for him to deal with. And for him, if he wants to, he wants to. If he doesn't, Mm. he doesn't. But the people that normally get to the end and are successful in getting to the end, they are normally the people that are there for the right reasons. There's, you know, there are people that do it for the wrong reasons. You can see them.
0: What's, what's a right and a wrong?
4: The right reason is for yourself is, and not for, to be on telly. I mean, that, that course that we run, it must be, that would be worth, to go on would be worth a lot of money. And they should come on it for the right reasons. That means that they've got something to prove to themselves. And, you know, it's not about the cameras or anything like that. It is, you know, there's an opportunity there to go and visit some demons and then get stuff done in your head as well as, you know, prove stuff physically. And, the you know, those two guys, James and uh, Chris, they they you can see it even even in the edited down version that is the show. You can see that they're there for the right reasons. Like James's response at the end is unbelievable. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say, I was like, I got a bit smoky on the side of that mountain, just to see what it meant to him. To both of them, to be fair, but obviously he had a slightly more emotional sort of um, response to it all. So, yeah, I mean, thoroughly deserved by both of them. And you can see that they actually were there for the right reasons. You,
0: uh, you, You talk about people going for themselves. Number 13, I think it was. Yeah, number 13. She... She went in because she wanted to try and understand her father's experience of post-traumatic stress.
4: Shaq, yeah. Um,
0: you were incredibly kind to her.
4: Yeah, um, that's a difficult one because she was there for the right reasons, but then sometimes the right reasons can sometimes do some damage, you know, and and... There's a point where you're like, you know, is her journey of exploring something going to be detrimental to herself? And, you can't, you know, you can't allow it to become that point where it's like, where well, it's too late to fix it, even if it does go wrong. Mm. So, you know, the, the professionals that we have on the show in the background, they make the call and then we've got to go in there and try and sort it out. And I found that really hard, to be honest. For someone of her size, she was an ox. Do you know what I mean? She... She well, beat, all the
0: she, way through, you were all saying she doesn't realise how strong she is. Mm. She's doing amazing. Things. No,
4: she's, yeah. I've got a lot of respect for that young girl. She's she's quality.
0: Don't you think that sums up the the whole of S.A.S. Who Does Wins? I mean, obviously, you've got people who are going through their own mental journeys and, and they're in for whatever reasons. But it is 100%, it is not about just being a big, <coughs> tough guy or a big, tough woman going in there. That people, no matter where they, where they leave, people... Win, if you like, mm. no, on, no, on yeah. their own different levels.
4: Every every it's a, it's just a journey, isn't it? And people jump off the. You know, it's like a train ride, but people jump off at different stops. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and they get what they need from that. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's just it's basically what is it? Twelve day, eleven day, twelve days of them people exploring themselves. I think that's why people love it because mm. you see people actually finding stuff out about themselves it doesn't matter whether you're there for a day or not or, or or for all twelve it's you know you still found out something because it's a completely bizarre place to be in anyway you don't do that every day
0: is it your best one yet do you think
4: um I love all of them it's for different reasons I think yeah I think it's been received it's it's grown it's following has grown again
0: it's got heart
4: yeah, yeah it's the toughest show in the on the telebox I reckon.
0: I think you're right. right. Other than loose women, yeah. Oh, well, yes. Yeah, so
4: I, mean, yeah. I mean, that, that is scary.
0: <laughs> Foxy, thank you. Thanks for coming in today. That's right, noise. So I'm now joined by Rachel, James, and Sandeep. You were actually in the house. I am. Yes. I made
2: a special effort to come in.
0: I really appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, right. So. This is the first time we are getting to speak to you as a winner, James. How are you? You did it.
1: (laughs) Cheers, yeah. Feeling good, feeling strong.
0: Going back a little bit, um, you said when you you first joined the show that one of the reasons that you did it was you wanted closure. Mm -hmm. Do you think you got that?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: In what way?
1: So it peels everything back and being in control of your life um, as much as I have been and still am uh, you prepare yourself for every situation so no matter what situation you you go in you've got time to prepare for everything because you're fully in control so you can be whoever you want to be whereas when you put into a situation like that you can't you have to be who you are really so just upon reflection I start to see who I am so yeah I've absolutely got closure on everything yeah
0: you you weren't too sure who you were when you went in
1: no um and I was torn I've got complete clarity now but I was certainly torn before um just due to like past experiences and things like that on which way I need to go and whether you're a good person doing bad things or if you're actually a bad person, trying to portray yourself as a good person and you're not quite sure until you're um, put into a situation where you're not in control, really.
0: Yeah. You always you have to face up to an awful lot of things while, while you were in there. And you, you you said at one point that you thought you were being strong by behaving the way that you were before, before you know, in, in your past, but actually you see that it's stronger to walk away
1: yeah absolutely it's easier to get involved with things like that Mm -hmm. it's very hard for anybody I think to go against the grain and stand up and go actually this is the right thing to do so yeah it's it it would have been a lot easier to just go down the wrong path which is what a lot of people do yeah go down the path of least resistance and it's tough to, to do the right thing
0: what's changed for you since doing SAS
1: um I don't need as much sleep. You just <laughs> <laughs> you convince yourself that you don't need as much, you know, because what, you, what the human body is capable of doing on 40 minutes sleep no 40 yeah.
0: minutes yeah
1: sometimes honestly um, that's a
3: huge change you get so much more time literally time in your life Yeah, it's, by sleeping
1: yeah. yeah that's true you're just sort of walking around thinking what shall I do now but um,
0: Sundeep is looking concerned <laughs> 40 minutes is not enough for a man well, well now
1: I definitely yeah <laughs> I definitely get more now but what used to happen before is when I'd get sometimes 3 or 4 hours sleep and then you'd go to work you'd convince yourself you haven't had enough sleep and your mind takes over and you just can't you think you can't operate whereas now if you have a rough night's sleep for whatever reason um, you get up and just convince yourself what the human body can do on forty minutes. Kip, you know, you so can. It's just... more
3: of an attitude thing. Yeah,
1: of course. it is. that's
3: really interesting because I definitely do that. If I don't get a proper night's sleep, for me, a proper night's sleep is ten hours. And wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, but <laughs> but I do like, and I I do if I, if I have less, if I have like five hours or something, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a terrible day. There's yeah. no po- why even bother. Yeah.
0: Nothing's going to work out.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's of really
0: interesting. Yeah, I worked where well, I worked in breakfast for a long how time. did you do so that? you can't. get so used to surviving on little or no sleep did you go to bed early where I could but sometimes I'd get sent away at the last minute and you wouldn't arrive until a couple of hours before you were due on air so you you it's mind over matter you Course just have to tell yourself that right this is all I'm getting and crack on yeah and yeah. you just got used to it and then obviously you know any parent with young children will know what I'm saying it's the same thing you get up and you think i, I have I have a choice here I can either be miserable. Or I can crack on, yeah. and sometimes your eyeballs feel cracked, and you're so tired you don't know what you're doing. But you, you, yeah, you have to make a mental decision just to override this. I'm really interested to know. You know, we've talked about obviously the physicality of you've slightly changed whether, whether you do exist on 40 minutes sleep or not. Who knows? Um, but mentally, how do you think you've you've changed? Because many, many people who go through the SAS um, process, and I was one of them, you end up coming face to face with many dark issues in your past that you haven't wanted to deal with and at some point it will either come up and smack you in the face and you have to deal with it or you quietly process it in your own way. What's your experience been like?
1: So from that perspective with regards to burying things deep down inside, it's it's so empowering to talk about it in a positive way um, so that hopefully somebody else, just one other person, might think actually... Yeah, um, it can be done with regards to... Mine specifically was just a path that you were on and um, and Aleksandip has said the the circumstances that I were in was out of my control. So in that environment where it's cool to be a tough guy and go down the sort of gangster path, um, it was all you, you knew really. So um, <clears throat> with regards to that changing when I was sort of 14, moving into a different environment where it's not cool to be a tough guy... It, you have to experience it for yourself. Whereas what I would love to do is to, is to talk to a younger me and say, you don't have to experience that. It's actually what you're looking at needs to change, mm. not not what's actually there. So just because that's all you know, it doesn't have to become you, you know.
0: Would, would you say that it's changed your ambition at all, taking part in SAS Who Does Wins?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. So I want to actually give a bit more back now after that because... One of the things that you don't realize until the very end is that these people that are torturing you and pushing you through something are, are actually helping you. Um, so it it, it gives a bit of enlightenment to me to think <clears throat> I'd like to help more people other than just helping myself with regards to business and whatnot. So yeah, um, yeah, they they're not telling you that they're helping you, but it's they're helping you throughout the whole thing by hardening you to be able to do things you never thought you could do. So.
3: I wondered about that, just watching them, you know, screaming at you and essentially bullying you, albeit with the best of intentions. I know they want to push you and that like now, you know, after the show, you can be like, oh, they're on your they're actually on my side and they help me achieve things. But when you're in it, do you hate them? (laughs) Does it feel like? That they're being just really horrible to you, or could you, when you're in it, can you be like, "Oh, it's probably for the best"?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, you definitely don't hate them because I suppose if I was thrown into it and knew nothing about anything previous to it, I might think, "All right, take it easy." Yeah. But um, because you've got previous knowledge of that's how that's how they do things. Yeah. No, you don't hate them. Um, You're more focused on surviving. Yeah. Even having an opinion doesn't even come into your mind. You're focusing on how to survive and keep warm and have. Enough to eat and have mm. enough to sleep, um, which you have none of those anyway. So. Yeah.
3: Do they still have a shock factor though, like the 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 shouting and all that kind of
0: thing?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of it, still it does. Makes
0: you. <laughs>
1: yeah, because you are. A lot of the time, just walking around disorientated, mm. um, because- with
0: Sandeep keeping an eagle eye
2: on you, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> making sure that you're all
2: okay. I always tell them when they go in. I said, "I'm the nice one here." Yeah, Foxy on the introduction day always tells them I'm the worst one there. <laughs> I said, "Don't go to the doctor." He's like, "I'm not going to give you any sympathy." Yeah. Well, Sandeep,
0: I, I actually wanted to ask yeah. you. Obviously, you you are watching from afar and, mm. and making sure that everybody's okay. D- do are you able to? D- to sort of pick out who you think will will make it to the end of the course? Or is it literally you're watching people evolve and going through their own sort of processes and their own journey?
2: I think uh, what it is, is uh, there's been a lot of surprises. And um, James is a good example, actually. So when he came on, he was very much in the background. He never really was that forthcoming. And we were quite confused, actually. And the big question for us was, like you're saying, what, what was this journey that you're on? Were you... You know, someone that was a victim of circumstance and born into a very difficult life, and then you reacted? Or were you someone that's actually enjoyed what happened and now you're looking, you know, for kind of reconciliation and things? And that, that, that was the interesting thing that for us, it was um, really interesting seeing you develop and kind of find yourself at the end. And I know you said you're kind of lost and you didn't actually know who you were. Yeah. Right? And for me, you know, kind of, it's a little bit more emotional because I know the DS don't know this stuff, right? And I know your backgrounds, I know your site profiles, I know your weak points and everything. And, you know, seeing different characters come forward and you're just kind of almost rooting for them, right? Just to kind of find where they are in life. And, um, yeah, no, it was great watching how things kind of developed with you. You uh, were... The the ultimate gray man. You know, and and there's a story that people that know is that at the end of the course, I do a debrief with him, a medical debrief, and I chatted to James and I was like, How's it going? And he's like, Yeah, everything's cool. Any problems? Any pains? No, I'm cool. I'm cool. said so literally about a week later, I got a text saying, "Did you know James broke his foot?" And I was like, "What? <laughs> oh my
0: god! <laughs> yeah. How did you break your foot?" <laughs>
1: it was just a stress fracture. So it was on the last beast in up a hill, and I stepped on a rock the wrong way, I think, and wow.
2: it broke. That's yeah. proper essay. So it was, I was, isn't I was it? like, I texted him. I was like, I heard a rumor that you broke your foot. Is this true? And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, that was me." And I was, like, yeah. and I was like, "You didn't mention anything." Everyone's like saying, "Did you miss it?" And I was like, "No, you didn't declare anything." said so everything was fine, and then. And I think that kind of summed him up on the course, actually. I think you had your agenda, right, which is to find yourself. And you were essentially harnessing everything around you to push yourself. And sometimes, you know, we say you have to shake the tree, but sometimes you just have to cut the tree down. And with you, you had to really put in those dark places for you to actually find out who the real you was. And and I I think that was kind of really amazing to watch, actually.
0: Sandeep, I wanted to ask you as well, when... You start off with a with a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. and they 've all got different skills and they 're all in a different place mentally. What sort of changes do you see in the people who make it to the very last bit, whether it 's the last bit of interrogation or whether it 's the you know the last four standing? Do you actually see a real a, a change in them in terms of <clears throat> they must go through some kind of journey where first of all is excitement, mm. then it 's total fear, then it 's exhaustion, and then it 's actually i think i can I can do this
2: yeah, it's interesting watching what happens in any series because what ha- tends to happen is there's a lot of people vW at the beginning, and then as the series goes on, the people that are left they tend to be culled. It's very, very rare for people to actually kind of vw after a while, and essentially they're building that confidence up. You know, and they're taking and the mindset change is what's different. So they don't look at all the bee stings, and they don't look at the lack of food and no sleep as an obstacle. They embrace it, and mm-hmm. that that change, that kind of switch flipping over, is a, is the big change, and that is yeah. a big driver. Right, is no longer are they kind of intimidated by what's going on, but actually they embrace it and say, well, you know, let's just get, get through, let's get through, you know, and um, that as soon as they find that, you know that they're going to go places right because after a while the physical component everybody kind of you know it hits the same level right in terms of what's going on and it's actually the mental challenge that all starts coming through especially i mean the interrogation phase is we only see snippets of it and i was saying to james you know for every hour of hell they show one minute right and if that if that absolutely and um it's interesting because in terms of psychologically stripping people apart there's one layer which is kind of challenges you know fear of heights or water but there's another layer where you're kind of degraded completely and your whole character is ripped apart you know they they the interrogators if you look at their professionals you know this is what they do and they look at your family life they look at all your weaknesses and they go for it yeah right and you know their whole role is just kind of strip you of your dignity and that's the whole thing about putting them into jumpsuits and you don't really get that. So, although, you know, before the, you know, the interrogators come in, so the DS won't go for really personal things, you know, which is what the interrogators do. You know, they, they want to press your buttons. They want you to hit them. They, you, they want you to lash out, you know. And that's just like a whole new form of kind of psychological assault, isn't it? Yeah, of it course it uh, is, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they, they sit there and they'll work out what you don't like in life and how to humiliate you and then they'll go for it, right? Yeah, they're
1: so clever at breaking you down. You're already depleted as well because you've been on the run, no sleep and no food. But then to have the... the, the, There's such a diverse bunch of Mm. interrogators as well. You've got the really nice Liz who it's really shocking and uneasy to be around when she slides a cup of tea over to you and you don't know whether to take it or what you try to remember you're training. And it's all, you know, whereas it's easier when someone's shouting at you because um, you can sort of have a bit of time and tell them, well, you're scaring me, you know, because you're shouting. It's, it's it's a bit more uneasy for me to have someone who's being really nice to you and then you've got to try and think on your feet whilst your barriers are down. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah Very
3: you know, clever. Things up when you're turning down a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you
0: your life upside down. Yeah. yeah, I've they've, I had issues at that they've point. They've broken yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Rachel, we, we were talking, weren't we, earlier about, you know, people um, VWing a, in a stress position, which on the face of it, if you're watching the programme, you you'd think, well, surely that can't be as difficult as someone screaming in your face. But the stress positions are incredible. Incredibly important part of the whole interrogation process, aren't they?
2: So I, th- I think with the, what it is with the stress positions, they go for weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Right, And, you know, if someone's got a bad knee injury, they will put them in that stress position. It right. really is to bring out all your weak points. So everybody's in a different stress position depending on what...
0: Bits you know, hurting. You know, bits hurting and yeah. things, right?
2: So like Carla was a good example, actually. Right. So they knew different parts of her were hurting a lot. So it's one thing actually having pain inflicted upon you, but it's what you do when you're in the same painful positions over and over again mm. and how you're going to then respond to the interrogators when they pull you out, you know, and if, if we can get that emotional response out of you.
0: If anybody's listening and and are crazy enough to think, this sounds like an amazing program, I think I really need to do this. <laughs>
1: yeah, they've got issues if they're saying that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this, sounds, this
3: sounds so nice. Cancel Centre Park.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But is there, is there anything that they can do to push themselves past that point of it's not just that I don't like this anymore it's that I cannot do this anymore I mean obviously for, it'd be really interesting to hear from both of you obviously James what you did and Sunday, what you would advise
1: yeah so I played my favourite film in my head I watched it. I tried to watch it right the way through. What film? Transformers.
0: <laughs> the Michael Bay one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which one? Obviously, the
1: first, first one, of course. first one, yeah, can't be it. Sorry. Yeah. But um, I was trying to play that out because time goes incredibly slow when you are in the stress positions. It, for me, it was by far the most painful thing throughout the whole course. The stress position's really, really bad. You you relax for a second and there's people in there that will run to you and pull you back to where you needed to be. Yeah. So mine was cross-legged on the floor with my hands on my head and you had to keep your elbows back. So your back and everything is just breaking down on you and if you lean forward just slightly to rest your head, there's a knee in your back and they're pulling your elbows back straight away. And it's that sort of never-ending thing that You've got nowhere to hide as well. There's always someone there. But mm. for me, my advice would give somebody else who's being tortured: uh, just play your favourite film through your head and uh, <laughs>
3: any Michael Bay film. Yeah,
1: any Michael will Bay will work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and was
0: this something you had consciously thought? This is what I'm going to do, or did it just come into your mind?
1: Yeah, it just came to that me. Was amazing. It wasn't instantly though. I was thinking, how do I get through this? Um, because you've no idea what time it is, how long you've been there. Um, so you you just I, I just went inside myself and thought, right, I've got to think of a strategy. And I thought, I'll just watch this film because it's class. So You
0: know, that, that's so clever. That, <laughs> it is. That, it's such that a is good idea. Meditation yeah. at its finest. Yeah. And it's it's advice I give to my kids when I can feel they're starting to get sad about certain things or stressed or they're worrying about something at school. I, you know, I tell them that your, your brain is going down a certain path. Take it off that path. And even if it's, right, this really good thing happened today. What was it when well, I sat this and then and, and I... chatted to this friend Um, and what did she say she said this and what was she wearing and you just distract it and take it down a path yeah very cool um, we've run out of time for you to give advice in, ter- but I think you can't better that <laughs> literally replay a transformation <laughs> uh, in yeah, your right head but we have got some brilliant questions for you huh. so we have had the pleasure of hearing Sundeep's insight to the well-being of the recruits every week on the podcast but now we're lucky enough to have him in residence so we've got a few patients with questions for him marked dear doctor so, dear doctor, that's you. <laughs> As the SAS Who Does Wins courses have become more extreme, does it surprise you that the recruits are able to keep overcoming them?
2: I would say no. And the reason is is because we get people from all kinds of backgrounds. And if you look at the people that are doing really well, they are the people that have gone through really significant life experiences, um, much like James. And I think those have been really formative for them. And, you know, people always talk about mental resilience. um, But aside from all the kind of trendy things that you can do to build mental resilience, there's nothing that beats life experience. And, you know, if you look at some of the guys and girls that we've had in the shows, they've been through pretty horrific things and they've survived. And they've built their own form of mental resilience on the back of it. Mm -hmm. And that is what keeps them going. So I think overall people do surprise us Um, and I think the the thing that I've really enjoyed watching is it's not the people that you would expect either you know it's not the huge guys who be someone like him that kind of you know pushes all the way through and in the other series as well it's been very similar it's the people that you don't expect you know the people that like James were very quiet you know Mm -hmm. they didn't make a big scene you know kept very much to themselves but there's that kind of inner confidence and that inner strength. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a free-for-all now. <laughs> I think it's anybody's game. Right?
0: Okay, dear doctor, I'm looking to build up my mental resilience. Is there a daily activity or process I could do to improve my everyday well-being?
2: I think mental resilience is obviously a big thing, right? And the th- what we do on the course is we actually strip everything back and I think, you know, the best start, I would say, is to actually have a look into yourself and see what the problems and the issues are. And Because we are going to bring it all out, right? And it's, it's interesting listening to James talking about the, the interrogation phase because essentially what we're doing is, although there's noise in the background, we're actually putting them and isolating them and the white noise that keeps your mind distracted is gone. So when he was talking about playing Transformers in there, that's a really good technique. Because if you look at it, that's what we tend to do in normal life anyway, right? So we go home and, you know, people put on the TV or they put on the radio and they're constantly distracted. And if there are issues and problems, they come out in the quiet times. And that's what people don't like. So what I would say is, in terms of mental resilience, we're going to pull everything back, right? So work on what your problems and issues are and let them out. You know, and, and I think, you know, things have changed so much. And, you know, we've touched upon really difficult topics with SAS, things that I haven't really seen touched on before. And the, the, the era where you have to hide things or you have to put up a front along on, you know, and I think it's about not so much putting up a front. And, you know, in terms of resilience, it's about learning about yourself and working through those journeys, mm. you know. And I, and I think that's probably the best thing that you can do is find out what your weaknesses are and work mm. on them because the strengths you're going to build on anyway.
0: Rachel, I'm going to ask you about this, because surely one of the the greatest seams that can be mined in terms of comedy is areas in your life which which aren't working out for the best, mm. you know. So really, you could say it's actually go uh, one of two ways. You're either going through some difficult times, you either go on SAS or you take to the stage <laughs> and you become a stand-up comedian. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are your sort of mental resilience, um, I don't know, tricks, I suppose, could be a good word, or, or uh, ways that you, you cope with things that are difficult for you? I, I do take it to the stage. I think I do use that as
3: therapy. So I, uh, all comedians, obviously, have different material. They deal with it. In different ways but I uh in my live stuff that I write I I always <laughs> I can't not talk about it I've like got verbal diarrhea I just talk <laughs> about every single issue um and it's very therapeutic for me to write it and to gig it and to be completely open with the audience about that so I sort of I think that is a form of ad- addressing your issues and um, but I don't know, I don't know the, I don't know how many comedians would do well., on <laughs> yeah, yeah, public
1: speaking is awful uh, absolutely awful. See,
3: that feels fine for me,
1: really. yeah, someone will laugh at your <laughs> opening joke. That's got to be
3: that's great. I mean, what I would say a big a big thing to conquer in terms of conquering really scary things is is when no one laughs at your opening joke and you've got to carry on going yeah. oh, wow. and no one laughs at your second or your third and you've got to do 20 minutes because that's, that's just your job. a stress dream right oh. there yeah. <laughs> and everyone's hating you <laughs> and believe me no, I've seen like the biggest successful comics have a night like that it happens wow. to all of us so that's for your self esteem to keep on going to keep presence of mind and not just <laughs> run off
1: crying yeah.
3: <laughs> that's that's a good thing <laughs> sort of like mental builder but i think i'd find i'd find the, the physical the physical stuff combined with the mental stuff yeah. so so difficult like i don't know how you do it it's amazing
0: well we have one more question for the doctor uh, dear doctor i'm thinking of applying for the next series of sas who dares wins i think this has been written by a comedian
2: um, <laughs> if you
0: could give me one piece of advice now what would it be
2: i think in terms of physical training we kind of you know that that's a given right but i think it's going to be finding small tricks that work for you in terms of controlling fear in terms of controlling your emotions and that's what's going to see you through and there there are all these kind of little cheats that you can do out there there's all these books written by guys in the military and navy seals and things that will help you learn how to control fear because i think the biggest myth is that these guys don't feel any emotion and but they do the only difference is they've learned how to control their emotions and if you can start controlling your emotions that's what's going to carry you through
0: Well, that is it. We have reckoned with another series of SAS Who Daes Wins. Thank you so much to all my guests today, Rachel, Sandeep and James, and to all of my guests throughout the whole series of Back to Base. In case you've missed any episode of SAS Who Dares Wins, you can catch up on all four. Back to Base is hosted by me, Andrea McLean. Back to Base is a Little Dot Studios production for Channel 4, brought to you by Mitsubishi. The show is produced by Annie Hughes, Joe Greenway, Harold McShiel, and Jake Cunningham. And the show is edited by Steph Watts and Mike Munzer.